0: Section fourteen of Sermons on Several Occasions, Second Series. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K Hand. Sermons on Several Occasions, Second Series by John Wesley. On Divine Providence Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Luke twelve, seven the doctrine of divine providence has been received by wise men in all ages it was believed by many of the eminent heathens not only philosophers but orators and poets innumerable are the testimonies concerning it which are scattered up and down in their writings agreeable to that well-known saying in cicero deorum Materamin cuncta Geri, that all things all events in this world are under the management of god we might bring a cloud of witnesses to confirm this were any so hardy as to deny it the same truth is acknowledged at this day in most parts of the world yea even by those nations which are so barbarous as not to know the use of letters so when paustubi an indian chief of the chickasaw nation in north america was asked why do you think the beloved ones so they term god take care of you he answered without any hesitation i was in the battle with the french and the bullet went on this side and this man died and that man died but i am alive still and by this i know the beloved ones take care of me but although the ancient as well as modern heathens had some conception of a divine providence yet the conceptions which most of them entertained concerning it were dark confused and imperfect yea the accounts which the most enlightened among them gave were usually contradictory to each other add to this that they were by no means assured of the truth of those very accounts they hardly dared to affirm anything, but spoke with the utmost caution and diffidence, insomuch that what Cicero himself, the author of that noble declaration, ventures to affirm in cool blood, at the end of his long dispute upon the subject, amounts to no more than this lame and impotent conclusion, mihi verisimilor vidabatur cota oratin. What Cotta said, the person that argued in the defense of the being and providence of God, seemed to me more probable... Than what his opponent had advanced to the contrary and it is no wonder for only god himself can give a clear consistent perfect account that is as perfect as our weak understanding can receive in this our infant state of existence or at least as is consistent with the designs of his government of his manner of governing the world and this he hath done in his written word all the oracles of god all the scriptures both of the Old Testament and the New, describe so many scenes of divine providence. It is the beautiful remark of a fine writer, those who object to the Old Testament in particular, that it is not a connected history of nations, but only a congeries of broken, unconnected events, do not observe the nature and design of these writings. They do not see that Scripture is the history of God. Those who bear this upon their minds will easily perceive that the inspired writers never lose sight of it, but preserve one unbroken connected chain from the beginning to the end. All over that wonderful book, as life and immortality, immortal life, is gradually brought to light, so is Emmanuel, God with us, and his kingdom ruling over all. In the verses preceding the text, our Lord had been arming his disciples against the fear of man. Be not afraid, says he, verse 4 of them that can kill the body and after that have no more that they can do he guards them against this fear first by reminding them of what was infinitely more terrible than anything which man could inflict fear him who after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell he guards them farther against it by the consideration of an overruling providence are not five sparrows sold for two farthings and not one of them is forgotten before god or as the words are repeated by st matthew with very inconsiderable variation ten twenty nine and thirty not one of them shall fall on the ground without your father but the very hairs of your head are all numbered we must indeed observe that this strong expression though repeated by both the evangelists need not imply though if any one think it does he may think so very innocently that god does literally number as the hairs that are on the heads of all his creatures but it is a proverbial expression implying that nothing is so small or insignificant in the sight of men as not to be an object of the care and providence of god before whom nothing is small that concerns the happiness of any of his creatures there is scarce any doctrine in the whole compass of revelation which is of deeper importance than this and at the same time there is scarce any that is so little regarded and perhaps so little understood let us endeavour then, with the assistance of God, to examine it to the bottom, to see upon what foundation it stands, and what it properly implies. The eternal, almighty, all-wise, all-gracious God is the creator of heaven and earth. He called out of nothing, by his all-powerful word, the whole universe, all that is. Thus the heavens and the earth were created, and all the hosts of them. And after he had set all things else in array, the plants after their kinds, fish and fowl, beasts and reptiles after their kinds he created man after his own image And the Lord saw that every distinct part of the universe was good but when he saw everything he had made all in connection with each other behold it was very good and as this all-wise all-gracious being created all things so he sustains all things he is the preserver as well as the creator of everything that exists he upholdeth all things by the word of his power that is by his powerful word now it must be that he knows everything he has made and everything he preserves from moment to moment otherwise he could not preserve it he could not continue to it the going which he has given it and it is nothing strange that he who is omnipresent who filleth heaven and earth who is intimately present if the eye of man discerns things at a small distance the eye of an eagle what is at a greater the eye of an angel what is at a thousand times greater distance perhaps taking in the surface of the earth at one view how shall not the eye of god see everything through the whole extent of creation especially considering that nothing is distant from him in whom we all live and move and have our being it is true our narrow understandings but imperfectly comprehend this but whether we comprehend it or no we are certain that so it is as certain as it is that he created all things and that he still sustains all that is created so certain it is that he is present at all times in all places that he is above beneath that he besets us behind and before and as it were lays his hand upon us we allow such knowledge is too high and wonderful for us we cannot attain unto it the manner of his presence no man can explain nor probably any angel in heaven perhaps what the ancient philosopher speaks of the soul in regard to its residence in the body that it is tota et toto et toda in qualebe parte might in some sense be spoken of the omnipresent spirit in regard to the universe that he is not only all in the whole but all in every part be this as it may it cannot be doubted but he sees every atom of his creation and that at a thousand times more clearly than we see things that are close to us even of these we see only the surface while he sees the inmost essence of everything the omnipresent god sees and knows all the properties of the beings which he hath made he knows all the connections dependencies and relations and all the ways wherein one of them can affect another in particular he sees all the inanimate parts of creation whether in heaven above or in the earth beneath he knows how the stars comets or planets above influence the inhabitants of the earth beneath what influence the lower heavens with their magazines of fire hail snow and vapors winds and storms have on our planet and what effects may be produced in the bowels of the earth by fire air or water what exhalations may be raised therefrom and what changes wrought thereby what effects every numeral or vegetable may have upon the children of men all these lie naked and open to the eye of the creator and preserver of the universe he knows how all the animals of the lower world whether beasts birds fishes reptiles or insects he knows all the qualities and powers he hath given them from the highest to the lowest he knows every good angel and every evil angel in every part of his dominions and looks from heaven upon the children of men over the whole face of the earth. He knows all the hearts of the sons of men and understands all their thoughts. He sees what any angel, any devil, any man either thinks or speaks or does, yea, and all they feel. He sees all their sufferings with every circumstance of them. And is the creator and preserver of the world unconcerned for what he sees therein? Does he look upon these things either with a malignant or heedless eye? is he an epicurean god does he sit at ease in the heaven without regarding the poor inhabitants of the earth it cannot be he hath made us not we ourselves and he cannot despise the work of his own hands we are his children and can a mother forget the children of her womb yea she may forget yet will not god forget us on the contrary he hath expressly declared that as his eyes are over all the earth so he is loving to every man and his mercy is over all his works Consequently, he is concerned every moment for what befalls every creature upon earth, and more especially for everything that befalls any of the children of men. It is hard indeed to comprehend this, nay, it is hard to believe it, considering the complicated wickedness and the complicated misery which we see on every side. But believe it we must, unless we will make God a liar, although it is sure no man can comprehend it it behooves us then to humble ourselves before god and to acknowledge our ignorance indeed how can we expect that a man should be able to comprehend a worm how much less can it be supposed that man can comprehend god for how can finite measure infinite he is infinite in wisdom as well as in power and all his wisdom is continually employed in managing all the affairs of his creation for the good of all his creatures for his wisdom and goodness go hand in hand they are inseparably united and continually act in concert with almighty power for the real good of all his creatures his power being equal to his wisdom and goodness continually cooperates with them and to him all things are possible he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him in heaven and earth and in the sea and all deep places and we cannot doubt of his exerting all his power as in sustaining so in governing all that he has made only he that can do all things else cannot deny himself he cannot counteract himself or oppose his own work were it not for this he would destroy all sin with its attendant pain in a moment he would abolish wickedness out of his whole creation and suffer not a trace of it remain but in so doing he would counteract himself he would altogether overturn his own work and undo all that he has been doing since he created man upon the earth for he created man in his own image a spirit like himself a spirit endued with understanding with will or affections and liberty without which neither his understanding nor his affections could have been of any use neither would he have been capable either of vice or virtue he could not be a moral agent any more than a tree or a stone if therefore god were thus to exert his power there would certainly be no more vice but it is equally certain neither could there be any virtue in the world were human liberty taken away men would be as incapable of virtue as stones therefore with reverence be it spoken the almighty himself cannot do this thing he cannot thus contradict himself or undo what he has done he cannot destroy out of the soul of man that image of himself wherein he made him and without doing this he cannot abolish sin and pain out of the world but were it to be done it would imply no wisdom at all but barely a stroke of omnipotence whereas all the manifold wisdom of god as well as all his power and goodness is display in governing man as man not as a stock or stone but as an intelligent and free spirit capable of choosing either good or evil herein appears the depth of the wisdom of god in his adorable providence in governing men so as not to destroy either their understanding will or liberty he commands all things both in heaven and earth to assist man in attaining the end of his being in working out his one salvation so far as it can be done without compulsion without overruling his liberty an attentive inquirer may easily discern the whole frame of divine providence is so constituted as to afford man every possible help in order to his doing good and eschewing evil which can be done without turning man into a machine without making him incapable of virtue or vice reward or punishment meantime it has been remarked by a pious writer that here is as he expresses it a threefold circle of divine providence over and above that which presides over the whole universe we do not now speak of that overruling hand which governs the inanimate creation which sustains the sun moon and stars in their station and guides their motions we do not refer to his care of the animal creation every part of which we know is under his government who giveth food unto the cattle and feedeth the young ravens that call upon him but we here speak of that superintending providence which regards the children of men each of these is easily distinguished from the other by those who accurately observe the ways of god the outermost circle includes the whole race of mankind all the descendants of adam all the human creatures that are dispersed over the face of the earth this comprises not only the christian world those that name the name of christ but the Mahatmians also who considerably outnumber even the nominal christians yea and the heathens likewise who very far outnumber the Mahatmians and christians put together is he the god of the jews says the apostle and not of the gentiles also and so we may say is he the god of the christians and not of the Mahatmians and the heathens yea doubtless of Mahatmians and heathens also his love is not confined the lord is loving unto every man and his mercy is over all his works he careth for the very outcasts of men it may truly be said free as the air thy bounty streams o'er all thy works thy mercies beams diffusive as the sun's arise yet it may be admitted that he takes more immediate care of those that are compromised in the second the smaller circle which include all that are called christians all that profess to believe in christ we may reasonably think that these in some degree honor him at least more than the heathens do god does likewise in some measure honor them and has a nearer concern for them by many instances it appears that the prince of this world has not so full power over these as over the heathens the god whom they even profess to serve does in some measure maintain his own cause so that the spirits of darkness do not reign so uncontrolled over them as they do over the heathen world within the third innermost circle are contained only the real christians those that worship god not in form only but in spirit and in truth herein are comprised all that love god or at least truly fear god and work righteousness all in whom is the mind which was in christ and who walk as christ also walked the words of our lord above recited peculiarly refer to these it is to these in particular that he says even the very hairs of your head are all numbered he sees their souls and their bodies he takes particular notice of all their tempers desires and thoughts other words and actions he marks all their sufferings inward and outward and the source whence they arise so that they may well say thou knowest the pains thy servants feet thou hearest thy children's cry and their best wishes to fulfill thy grace is ever nigh nothing relative to these is too great nothing too little for his attention he has his eyes continually as upon every individual person that is a member of his family so upon every circumstance that relates either to their souls or bodies either to their inward or outward state wherein either their present or eternal happiness is in any degree concerned but what say the wise men of the world to this they answer with all readiness who doubts of this we are not atheists we all acknowledge a providence that is a general providence for indeed the particular providence of which some talk we know not what to make of surely the little affairs of men are far beneath the regard of the great creator and governor of the universe accordingly he sees with equal eyes as lord of all a hero perish or a sparrow fall does he indeed i cannot think it because whatever that fine poet did or his patron whom he so deeply despised and yet grossly flattered i believe the bible wherein the creator and the governor of the world himself tells me quite the contrary that he has a tender regard for the brute creatures i know he does in a measure take care for oxen he provideth food for the cattle as well as herbs for the use of men the lions roaring after their prey do seek their meat from god he openeth his hand and filleth all living things with plenteousness the various troops of sea and land in sense of common want agree all wait on thy dispersing hand and have their daily alms from thee they gather what thy stores dispense without their trouble to provide thou opest thy hand the universe the craving world is all supplied our heavenly father feedeth the fowls of the air but mark are not ye much better than they shall he not then much more feed you who are pre-eminent by so much odds he does not in that sense look upon you and them with equal eyes, set you on a level with them. Least of all does he set you on a level with brutes in respect of life and death. Right precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Do you really think the death of a sparrow is equally precious in his sight? He tells us, indeed, that not a sparrow falleth on the ground without our father. But he asks at the same time, Are ye not of more value than many sparrows? but in support of a general in contradiction to a particular providence the same elegant poet lays it down as an unquestionable maxim the universal cause acts not by partial but by general laws plainly meaning that he never deviates from those general laws in favor of any particular person this is a common supposition but which is altogether inconsistent with the whole tenor of scripture for if God never deviates from these general laws, then there never was a miracle in the world, seeing every miracle is a deviation from the general laws of nature. Did the Almighty confine himself to these general laws when he divided the Red Sea, when he commanded the waters to stand on a heap and make a way for his redeemed to pass over? Did he act by general laws when he caused the sun to stand still for the space of a whole day? No, nor in any of the miracles which are recorded in either the Old or New Testament. But is on supposition that the governor of the world never deviates from those general laws that mr pope adds those beautiful lines in full triumph as having now clearly gained the point shall burning etna if his age requires forget to thunder and recall her fires on air or sea new motions be impressed o blameless bethel to relieve thy breast when the loose mountain trembles from on high shall gravitation cease if you go by or some old temple nodding to its fall for Chartres' head reserved the hanging wall. We answer, if it please God to continue the life of any of His servants, He will suspend that or any other law of nature. The stone shall not fall, the fire shall not burn, the food shall not flow, or He will give His angels charge, and in their hands they shall bear Him up through and above all dangers. Admitting then. That in the common course of nature God does act by general laws, he has never precluded himself from making exceptions to them whensoever he pleases, either by suspending that law in favor of those that love him, or by employing his mighty angels, by either of which means he can deliver out of all danger them that trust in him. What you expect miracles then? Certainly I do, if I believe the Bible. For the Bible teaches me that God hears and answers prayer, but every answer to prayer is, properly, a miracle for if natural causes take their course if things go on in their natural way it is no answer at all gravitation therefore shall cease that is cease to operate whenever the author of it pleases cannot the men of the world understand these things that is no wonder it was observed long ago an unwise man doth not consider this and a fool doth not understand it but i have not done with this same general providence yet by the grace of god i will sift it to the bottom and i hope to show it is such stark staring nonsense as every man of sense ought to be utterly ashamed of you say you allow a general providence but deny a particular one and what is a general of whatever kind it be that includes no particulars is not every general necessity made up of its several particulars can you instance any general that is not tell me any genus if you can that contains no species what is it that constitutes a genus but so many species added together what i pray is a whole that contains no parts mere nonsense and contradiction every whole must in the nature of things be made up of its several parts insomuch that if there be no parts there can be no whole as this is a point of the utmost importance we may consider it a little farther what do you mean by a general providence contradistinguished from a particle do you mean a providence which superintends only the larger parts of the universe? Suppose the sun, moon, and stars. Does it not regard the earth too? You allow that it does. But does it not likewise regard the inhabitants of it? Else, what doth the earth, an inanimate lump of matter, signify? Is not one spirit, one heir of immortality, of more value than all the earth? Yea, though you add to it the, the sun, moon, and stars? Nay. And the whole inanimate creation? might we not say these shall perish but this remaineth these all shall wax old as doth a garment but this it may be said in a lower sense even of the creature is the same and his years shall not fail or do you mean when you assert a general providence distinct from a particle one that god regards only some parts of the world and does not regard others what parts of it does he regard those without or those within the solar system or does he regard some parts of the earth and not others which parts only those within the temperate zones what parts then are under the care of his providence where will you lay the line do you exclude from it those that live in the torrid zone or those that dwell within the arctic circles nay rather say the lord is loving to every man and his care is over all his works do you mean for we would fain find out your meaning if you have any meaning at all that the providence of god does indeed extend to all parts of the earth with regard to great and singular events such as the rise and fall of empires but that the little concerns of this or that man are beneath the notice of the almighty then you do not consider that great and little are merely relative terms which have place only with respect to men with regard to the most high man and all the concerns of men are nothing less than nothing, before him, and nothing is small in his sight that in any degree affects the welfare of any that fear God and work righteousness. What becomes, then, of your general providence exclusive of a particle? Let it be forever rejected by all rational men as absurd, self-contradictory nonsense. We may, then, sum up the whole scriptural doctrine of providence in that fine saying of St. Austin, Ida precedent singulus sicut Universis et universis sicut singulus father how wide thy glory shine lord of the universe and mine thy goodness watches o'er the whole as all the world were but one soul yet keeps my every sacred hair as i remained thy single care we may learn from this short view of the providence of god first to put our whole trust in him who hath never failed them that seek him our blessed lord himself makes the very use of the great truth now before us fear not therefore if you truly fear god you need fear none beside he will be a strong tower to all that trust in him from the face of your enemies What is there either in heaven or in earth that can harm you while you are under the care of the creator and governor of heaven and earth let all earth and all hell combine against you yea the whole animate and inanimate creation they cannot harm while god is on your side his favorable kindness covers you as a shield nearly allied to this confidence in god is the thankfulness we owe for his kind protection let those give thanks whom the lord thus delivers from the hand of all their enemies what an unspeakable blessing it is to be the peculiar care of him that has all power in heaven and earth how can we sufficiently praise him while we are under his wings, and his faithfulness and truth are our shield and buckler? But meantime we should take the utmost care to walk humbly and closely with our God. Walk humbly, for if you in any wise rob God of his honor, if you ascribe anything to yourself, the things which should have been for your wealth will prove to you an occasion of falling. And walk closely, see that you have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man, it is so long as you do this that you are the peculiar care of your father which is in heaven but let not the consciousness of his caring for you make you careless indolent or slothful on the contrary while you are penetrated with that deep truth the help that is done upon earth he doeth it himself be as earnest and diligent in the use of all the means as if you were your own protector lastly in what a melancholy condition are those who do not believe there is any providence or which comes to exactly the same point not a particular one whatever station they are in as long as they are in the world they are exposed to numberless dangers which no human wisdom can foresee and no human power can resist and there is no help if they trust in men they find them deceitful upon the weights in many cases they cannot help in others they will not but were they ever so willing they will die therefore vain is the help of man and god is far above out of their sight they expect no help from him these modern as well as the ancient epicureans have learned that the universal cause acts not by partial but by general laws he only takes care of the great globe itself not of its puny inhabitants he heeds not how those vagrant emmets crawl at random on the air suspended ball how uncomfortable is the situation of that man who has no farther hope than this but on the other hand how unspeakably happy is the man that hath the Lord for his help and whose hope is in the Lord his God who can say I have set the Lord always before me because he is on my right hand I shall not be moved therefore though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff comfort me. End of section fourteen.